Well, you're all doing the good uh, rule of thumb of staying six feet apart. Good for you. (laughs) Don't have to tell you guys to do that. Amen. God's good. I was talking to my son-in-law yesterday about, you know, those with special, uh, you know, physical challenges should be extra cautious during this time of year. And uh, we're talking just a little bit about uh, his dad. And he said, well, my dad's been self-quarantined for the last 10 years. He'll be fine. So... That's kind of the Norwegian way of doing things. Um, I want to welcome Watertown and welcome Aberdeen uh, to our services this morning, praying that God blesses you. And I want to begin by um, just giving some perspective on what's going on around us. It's the, it's the elephant in the room that we actually need to talk about just a little bit. So, and I wanted to include Watertown and Aberdeen in this discussion. I think this is really important. Um, I think there are three things that we need to really have on the front of our uh, minds as, as we go through this coronavirus uh, outbreak, and, and I think that will be helpful. As the people of God, first and foremost, we, we need to be uh, one to understand that it's part of our ministry responsibility uh, to bring peace to a troubled culture. So the word peaceful should begin to describe the people of God. Um, God did not give us a spirit of fear uh, but rather love, power, and a sound mind. And we need to act that way in the middle of this kind of a e- e- event. Um, I was reading from Isaiah here the other day, and it says this in Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and um, and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. Um, And so I think a word to us this morning as the people of God is that we should not fear in the middle of this thing. We should not be in the aisles of Walmart fighting with other people for toilet paper. I mean, come on, use newspaper, whatever, but just don't worry about it, amen? And we, for sure, should be a calming effect in our neighborhoods and in our friendships. Um, For 10 years now, I've been here saying to you a a relentless message that we are called to be people in our community that change that community for the glory of Jesus Christ. And what we're experiencing now, rather than being something that we should fear, we should look at this as a grand opportunity to actually be the love of Christ in a culture that's full of anxiety and fear. If we're not willing to do that, who will? Amen? And so I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you, be of good courage, be people of peace, and live and love and sacrifice for the cause of Jesus Christ where he planted you. Be that kind of peacemaker wherever you find yourself. Um, So the first word I hope that you remember as you go about your week is just this word, I'm a peacemaker. I'm a person of peace. Secondly, we are called to be prepared people. The prudent man foresees the trouble that lies ahead, and he makes plans for it. So we want to go into this moment in the history of our culture as prepared, illuminated uh, illuminated, uh, 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 people. Um, So listen, basic hygiene is our friend here. I've been amazed. I've been listening to the recommendations. Wash your hands. I'm going, "Uh uh-huh. My mom told me that when I was little. 
You know what? I used to get told this. Wash your hands like you're going into surgery. Scrub those things down. One of the best ways to inactivate this virus is just simply washing hands. And I thought, praise God, we finally got something in place that will get men to wash their hands. It's that simple. Partly what we need to do is practice good hygiene. When we cough, we what? We cough into the corner of our, of our uh, elbows. We don't go, <coughs> and then go like that. That doesn't do any good. I've been saying this for, for 10 years also, that, that God wants you and I to minister grace to others as he's given us grace. That we're to be out there and we're supposed to be concerned and others-oriented about as we do life. One of the ways that we show that we love other people is by practicing basic hygiene, like they're talking about here. That shows that I'm concerned about others, that I value others. And so I want to just encourage you to spread that word and practice it yourself. It's good for you, and of course, it's good for others. So this is some like basic preparation stuff that we can do. That's just not that hard to do. But also, I look at this, this moment that we're in, it's a mobilization moment for the church. I mean, in the early church, they all gathered, and they kind of huddled together, and God said, you know, I don't want you gathering and huddling together. I want you out there and influencing the culture. So I'm going to send some persecution your way so that you can be dispersed. And I think sometimes we get comfortable with, with gathering together that we forget the basic mission is that God calling us to be mobilized into our culture and to be influential with our neighbors. Guess what we're going to now have to do? Some mobilization and be dispersed a bit. That's okay, amen? Look for ways to help other people. Look for opportunities to be a servant, to be a loving neighbor, and to be an influencer for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let this thing mobilize you, not immobilize you. Too many people I see are hunkering down. I, I heard the story about one elderly woman who's bought a $105,000 bunker. And I thought, what in the world? She said, well, I'm the only grandmother of this one grandchild, and I have sole responsibility. Just honker down in your house. You don't need a bunker for $105,000. We as Christ followers, that cannot be our attitude. Amen? Amen? Thank you. There are some of you here. I want to hear you. Yeah. Listen, too. When you're sick, stay home. <laughs> Practice basic hygiene in that regard. It's okay. Stay home. If you're immune compromised, be extra cautious. If you have respiratory issues, yeah. Be conscientious that you're at greater risk. If you're elderly, this thing seems to really, you know, wreak havoc on the older population. So be extra careful. Be extra careful. I don't consider myself elderly, but according to some of the stuff I'm reading, I am. <laughs> so, you know, it just, it's amazing the statistics and how much more harmful this is to older people. So even as younger people, be conscientious about that kind of thing and be considerate of others. But also, you know, if you fall into those age ranges, be prudent and be smart. And it's okay if some of you decide to stay home for a few weeks. I'm okay. I still love you. Um, you can give online and... Sorry, you're not thinking that's a joke. So, I'm sorry, whenever I face stressful things in life, I just start joking like crazy. It's an annoying habit. But at um, any rate, um, 
But honestly, getting into that uh, giving online <laughs> and stuff, we don't want the church to become just shut down and, and out of sight, out of mind. So I want to encourage you uh, to stay faithful and generous at this time. Still give to the church. Still, still be generous with others. There's going to maybe be opportunities for you to actually buy some groceries for someone that's maybe quarantined or feels uncomfortable going out. Maybe you can buy the groceries for them or help them out somehow. And even in this love, love out loud, if you want to do that kind of a project, we have some resources for that. And we, we consider that a good thing to do. So just want to encourage you to be really, really looking for those opportunities. But by the way, if you buy groceries for someone that's quarantined, leave them on their front porch don't go in the house. Amen? Even if they say, well, we're not that bad off or whatever, you know, just just be aware that, you know, this thing is something that you should, you know, handle strategically. All right, I've said enough on that. Um, But be others-oriented during this time. That's always the mandate of the Christ follower. And then the last word, you know, so we talked about this idea of being prepared and being people of peace, but then we have to be people of prayer. And uh, our government has declared today a national day of prayer. And we need to turn our hearts to our Savior and our God in times like these. You know, we've been through some stuff as a country over the years. And uh, it's frequently a moment where our nation turns its heart back to God and rends its heart. And that's not bad, is it? And so I want to encourage you to pray throughout the day and join the nation as we lift up collectively uh, our, our prayers to the Lord and ask for him uh, to be our healer and our sustainer. It's a moment of opportunity to unite with other believers in our nation in that regard. So I would encourage you to be a person of prayer. Not, don't, don't be a person of anxiety. We've got all kinds of anxiety going on out there. You and I should act way differently because Christ lives in us. And uh, we should be people who are peace bringers and people who are prepared and people who who pray you know we've been through this stuff before we've been down this rodeo some of us before um yeah i got the swine flu anybody here get the swine flu that turned into pneumonia for me that was pleasant times anybody remember those things no our memories are very distant aren't they uh 9-11 i just remember 9-11 being so shocked watching the twin towers come down i was at at uh Church, and I just couldn't believe that was happening. I, was in, I sat there and said, what, life will never be the same. And it has never been the same for this country since that time. Then 2008, just when you think you're going good, right? You remember what happened in 2008, anybody? There was a little bit of a recession. Just like hugely hiccup down. Um, these things are normal. Um, we go through these trials And so let's keep everything in perspective. Let's be smart and guarded and do the things we ought to do. But let's not, what? Panic. That doesn't help anybody. So that has nothing to do with my message today. I just wrote that in the kitchen table yesterday because I felt like I should do that. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit from the Gospel of John because I think it really ties in well uh, to what we're all experiencing right now. So I want to begin with a a question. What's a difficult situation that you've had to face in your life? Pretty appropriate question, right, for this morning? What's a difficult situation that you've ever had to face? Sometimes we have what I call the death of a dream in our lives. Maybe you thought, I'm going to be this, uh, you know, kind of a person, have this kind of career, and, and for some reason that just falls apart. You don't 
you know, get through that particular degree to pursue that particular, you know, career or whatever. And you experience what is called uh, the death of a dream or perhaps you start a small business that you think, ah, oh, I'm just going to do this small business. It's going to be great. And then that thing just kind of collapses, you know. Sometimes I know for those who are in the agricultural business, uh, they, they, they dream their whole life of being a farmer and then it just doesn't pan out, just doesn't work out. Um, sometimes... We experience difficult situations because of an illness. I I frequently uh, have the opportunity to come alongside people who are suffering from some kind of major illness like cancer or or something like that. Um, Sometimes you have a disabling uh, injury and that's just hard to go through. Then there's this loss of someone that you love dearly. I I just this week went to my Uncle Don's funeral. It's the second funeral I've gone to now in in about three months when it comes to my uncles. And Don was just a a great Christ follower. Um, But, uh, you know, it's hard to deal with those things. And I, I forgot what it feels like to be on that side of the of the funeral, you know, where you're kind of with your family going, oh, rats. Um, I'm really just sad today. You, you never get over those things usually, but you learn to get through them. And it's okay not to get over it, but at some point you get through it and God does a work of restoration. And then there's this classic rejection by someone that you love, but they don't love you in return. Um, I think we all go through some of those kinds of, of uh, hard times. So what hard thing have you ever faced in your life? You go, man, this thing has just been hard for me uh, to, to, to deal with and to get through. And let me ask you a, a sister question to that. Have you ever been really challenged by what someone said or asked you to do? Challenged to the point where you thought, I don't know if I can do this. You know, Jesus challenged his followers with really, really tough requests. Tough things, which you really can't do in your humanness. You have to be reliant upon the person of the Holy Spirit to actually even begin to be able to do some of the things that Jesus challenges you to do. He says things like, love your enemy, pray for those who misuse you. In your anger, do not sin. Let no corrupt talk come from your mouth. These things you cannot even begin to do on your own when you really think about it. One of the hardest things that I ever have completed in my life, one of the most challenging things that I think I ever completed in my life was my mechanical engineering degree. It was just hard. And I, I recently was reminded of that because I was cleaning up old things in my house, things that we should probably throw into the garbage. So I'm looking at all this work that I did uh, you know, a long time ago, and I'm going, oh, man, this was so much work. And I, re- I looked at some of these lab projects I had to do, and it was required to type up the results. Well, I lived in an era where you used a real typewriter to type your papers. And when you made a mistake, you used whiteout. Do any of you remember that? Yeah. And so what I would do is I'd write my paper longhand first because I didn't want you could typing was just so arduous and so time consuming it was faster to write that whole like these I'm talking 20 page papers here written out longhand and then typed up and I said to Vicky I'm looking through this and thinking I can't believe I did this this is stupid but that's what was required have you ever had challenges like that where you think wow you know where our series has taken us this morning? To some hard teachings. <laughs> to some hard things to comprehend. To some things that you go, I don't understand all this. That's where our 
teaching in John now takes us to. And up to this point, we've seen Jesus revealed in all of his glory. He's been doing miracles like crazy, you know, from water to wine kinds of things, to raising uh, of, of, of people from their illnesses, to, to having this wonderful, you know, kind of teaching that just flows from his mouth when he talks to guys like Nicodemus or, or the Samaritan woman at the well. We just see this kind of like tantalizing, just poetic, artistic almost exchange of words that takes place. And um, we we just kind of see this marvelous, wonderful feeding the 5,000 Jesus being presented. But now his teaching gets really hard. And that's where we're going to pick it up this morning. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 6. I'm going to begin with verse uh, 51 and go through verse um, 69. Listen to this. Imagine you're present when this takes place. You don't know anything about Jesus other than what he's done thus far. Try to take out everything you know about him, you know, now. And just imagine what it would have been like if you've heard this for the very first time. He says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread shall live or will live forever. This bread is my flesh. Now, think about that. Wouldn't you at that moment go, what? This is getting strange real fast. Which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And where the disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now we have an advantage over these disciples that heard this teaching for the very first time. We have all this knowledge. And we can look at this scripture and we can read through this scripture and we can say, wow, that's tough scripture. All right, I love you, Jesus. And on we go. Because we know the rest of the story. We know that Christ marched to the cross, that he gave his life for us, and that he's our savior. And we can read something like this and we can right away say, well, he's just talking on spiritual level here that we need to feed on him in our spirit and leave it at that and never really grapple with the, 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 the scripture like I think we, we need to. Here's the big thought I want you to pull out this morning for what I just read to you. The teachings and ways of Jesus can challenge you beyond your capacity to comprehend. 
That's what happened with these disciples at that time. If we don't understand that part of this story, we're missing something here that's really fundamentally important to understand. Because at times, the teachings and the ways of Jesus will, I'm going to take the can out there and I'm going to put will, will challenge you beyond your capacity to comprehend. Like Peter, you must conclude, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, I'm going to explain this progression of revelation a little bit here that Christ makes known, and we're all familiar with that, but that's not where I'm going to go at the moment. I I just want to stay on this thought that at times we're challenged beyond our capacity to comprehend. And whenever we are, we have to conclude like, Peter, where are we going to go? We're not going to turn from you, Lord. We're going to stay faithful to you. We're going to work out our salvation. We're, we're called to be your disciples. And we're going to be willing to be conformed to you, Jesus, for the glory of you, Jesus, and for the sake of others. We're going to stay in there and we're going to patiently push into your ways even when at times we don't get them all. We don't understand them all. What some did at that moment was extraordinarily wrong. They bailed on him. When things got tough, they bailed. And I think that's still the tendency today. We still oftentimes see people who when things get tough or teachings are hard or teachings don't kind of make sense, they tend to bail on Christ. And what a mistake that is. When I was an earlier follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I had a lot of questions. Things that didn't really make sense to me at the time. I grew up in the 70s and really grew up in the 80s because um, I was, you know, a man and men don't really mature till they're about 25. So um, I remember first coming to Christ thinking, what is it, what God created? I don't understand that. It seems to go against everything I'm being taught. And there was this tension. And then I looked at things like Noah's you know, ark and the flood, and uh, I, I, I looked at some of these things. I said, what does all this mean? And I remember thinking, ah, I need to work this out. And it took me about a decade to work some of that stuff out in my own life, to come to what I felt was, you know, reasoned and uh, uh, worked out faith. But you know what I decided in the meantime? I was going to be like Peter. And Lord, I'm going to stay faithful to you even when I'm, I'm seeing things that are beyond my comprehension and understanding here right now. I'm going to stay faithful to you and declare that you are the Holy One. Listen, we're going through this coronavirus thing and it's easy for us as the people of God to start feeling sorry for ourselves and start saying, oh, why do we have to go through this? And, you know, and start trying to hole up and, and we're going to ride this thing out and Right now, we can't control coronavirus, can we? We're trying to slow it down. If you look at some of the curves, the stuff just scares you because it just, you know, it's a classic epidemic, you know, pandemic kind of thing. It starts out and then it just has this bad curve. I don't know about you, I'm a math guy. I look at that curve and go, oh no, bad curve. You don't want that kind of curve. And I understand what they're trying to do from a public standpoint to slow this thing down so that we can manage it with the medical resources, but if we let it just go crazy, we, the thing will outstrip our ability medically, so to speak, to deal with it. That's where they're coming from, okay? The leadership. And I understand that. 
Um, and, and right now, I think sometimes the question becomes, why, God, is this happening? And I don't understand, and all that kind of stuff. We're going to have these questions that we, we don't really have answers to. You know what we need to do in the middle of that? What do we need to do? We need to be like Peter, and we need to say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're not going to turn from you in the middle of this. We're going to turn to you in the middle of this. We're going to count on you more than ever, and we're going to be more concerned about neighbors and other people more than ever. Amen? And, but even though we don't understand it all, and, we, and sometimes we think, well, they're just blowing it out, and the news media is going crazy. Here's what I want to tell you to do, folks. Listen a little bit, get informed, and then turn it off. Amen? Turn the stinking radio off. Turn the news off. Don't listen to this fear-based, you know, just kind of going over and over and over again. Get enough to know what's going on, and then, you know, sing a song like they're doing in Italy on the balconies. Or do something, but just don't focus on it. All right. Um, These are challenging words that Jesus shared here. Pretend you're there. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, to the Jew, that was abhorrent to drink blood. That was abhorrent language. And this is so out of the normal that it just shocked these people. But there's a progression of revelation that takes place here, and I'm going to cover this super quickly because I think most of you know this. But listen, most of the world does not know this. And that's why they're full of anxiety and fear, and that's why they're fighting for toilet paper in the aisles of Walmart right now. So if nothing else, you need to take this to those around you. So there's a progression of, of revelation that takes place here. First of all, Jesus says in verse 51 of, of John 6, I'm going to give my flesh for the life of this world. And what he's revealing here is his mission. I've come to sacrifice literally my body for your welfare. And he's beginning to reveal his mission to his followers. And so he's saying here, you're seeing miracles, you're seeing all this, but here's what I'm here for. To give my flesh, literally, for your salvation. So he started to make known his mission. Now, on each one of these points of progressive revelation, I want to give you an implication so that you can kind of enter into and grapple with this, and also so that you can be smart in how to share this with others and help them to do the correct grappling with these kinds of concepts. Um, So here's what the implication is. If Jesus is coming to give his flesh for the sins of the world, then that means we have to admit our brokenness and need of salvation. That's hard for most people to really do. It's humbling. It's hard to admit. I have a problem I can't solve. We love stories in America of people who against all odds and insurmountable obstacles overcome in their life. But the truth be this, we cannot overcome sin. Can't be done. And I tell you what, what's so disheartening and so anxiety creating about something like the coronavirus is we can't control it. We can try to manipulate it. We can try to minimize it. But honestly, we don't even know what it is all the way yet. We don't even know if it'll stop. And medical people are, I'm sure they're scurrying around someplace in lab coats trying to figure this thing out. But right now, we're going, there's a lot of unknowns here. And I think that causes us to feel out of control. And we don't like that. And I tell you what, 
If you don't admit your brokenness and your neediness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're never going to experience what I would consider true salvation. Second progression of Revelation here is this. Whoever does not partake of his flesh and blood has no life. Jesus said, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you're not going to experience new life. In other words, what he was saying was we have to embrace the need of him to go to the cross and die, and we have to become ones who literally consume Christ. That we become ones that not just you know, dip the toes in the water a little bit there and go, ooh, that's a little cold, I don't want to get in there. You know, we have to jump into the pool, so to speak, and swim and put our, our, our whole trust in Christ. Now, sometimes this teaching is used for communion, but it's not about communion. This teaching really is about fully embracing Christ and the need of him to die for your sins and living out your faith in that regard. So the implication here is to embrace the necessity of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is what? It's the power of God. Some of the teachings and ways of Jesus are just hard to understand. And most people will not see their sinful condition and the neediness of Jesus. Most people won't. And therefore, they won't see the necessity of the cross other than it's a cool bling to wear if you're a rapper or something. But they won't understand what they're wearing around their neck. They have no idea. And to such ones who don't see their own sinfulness and their own brokenness, the, the, the cross is going to seem strange and foolish and not pertaining to real life. That shouldn't surprise you and I. We're told that's what's going to happen. Many at the synagogue of Capernaum that day walked away from Jesus because his teachings were hard. Many, when they stood at the cross, mocked Jesus and rejected him and walked away because they could not, in their minds, wrap around this idea that there, uh, there was a Savior who was hanging there and dying for their sins. They said, I don't need this. And they missed it entirely, and they rejected him. Third progression of Revelation is this. Whoever partakes of his flesh and blood has eternal life. The one who accepts by faith, the need and significance of the death of Jesus, uh, of the giving of his flesh, partaking this way in his flesh and blood, such a one has eternal life. Implication is to see the spiritual side of life. Jesus gets the spiritual side of life. They got so hung up on the eat my flesh, drink my blood thing, they didn't hear him as he continued to explain to them and get to the miraculous side, the spiritual side uh, of what he was getting at in that, you know, teaching. He said, listen, the people most of the time, they ate men, but they still died. But if you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you will live forever. Uh, he was talking about a spiritual moment here with these folks, and they couldn't get beyond, was he talking about cannibalism? The ones present at that, uh, you know, teaching grumble, this is a hard teaching. And he says, does this offend you? Well, what if, what if I go back, you know, to the place where I was before? And then he spells it out. He says, the Spirit gives life. He's talking to them on the spiritual side of life. And they were all hung up on cannibalism or something. So in this teaching here, Jesus is making known that he's come to offer his body, and it will happen quite literally as he's described. He will give his flesh 
for the sacrifice of sins. And this is a hard teaching that many repelled against or rejected. Uh, and so unfortunate that they, they would have just hung around. If they would have stayed with him, it all would have made sense down the road. If they would just have hung around. And here's the sad reality. When following Jesus is hard, many will turn back to their old life and no longer follow him. And if we just persevere through some of the hard teachings and the hard moments in life, if we just stay faithful to Christ Jesus, usually when we have that opportunity to look back, we go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now, if we go through this coronavirus thing, and if we don't have evaluated experience on the other side of it, it has done us no good. But if we can come through the coronavirus kind of thing we're going through, and we stay faithful to God, and we can look back, and we can see, okay, God, you have created more dependency in us on you. You've again shown us that we're not as smart as we think we are, that we don't have all the answers, God, that we are more reliant upon you than we really know we are. If we can come through this thing with that kind of, you know, evaluated experience, then we're becoming the people that God intends us to become. But if we don't consider these things, if we turn from them when it gets hard, then we miss out on that opportunity. So I want to end with this reflection question. What is one teaching of Jesus that's hard for you to understand today? And it could be even the thing we're going through right now. I was thinking, and do you ever have those moments of self-pity? I'm thinking, oh man, I did all this retirement stuff that's going to just shoot that to pieces, isn't it? It is. Bam, 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 it's rats, you know? And so I'm, I'm a little irritated by that. And then I'm thinking, well, if people would just wash their hands. Why won't anybody wash their hands? You know, this would probably be greatly mi- minimized, maybe. I don't know. Who knows, right? We don't know. But then I, I begin to think, you know, God, what's going on here? And, you, and he's saying to me, are you relying on the right things? You trusted me in the way you ought to trust me. Were you putting your hope in a retirement fund? Why would you do that? Right? Do you love people like I love people? These people who are running around full of anxiety and fear? Maybe that's okay. Maybe I want them in that condition so they'll finally be scared and cold enough they can hear my word. They're not lukewarm, just having a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof of it. It's a different way of looking at things, you know? And I felt a lot of conviction. So what is one teaching of Jesus that's hard for you to understand? Will you patiently and faithfully follow Jesus, trusting that as you pursue him, you're going to figure it out or at least come to peace with it? So what's one thing that Jesus is speaking to you that you need to do that very thing on? If you could take that away this morning... Then this uh, teaching I read to you today will have, you know, succeeded at, I think, its intended purpose. At this time, I'm going to dismiss Watertown and Aberdeen back to their campuses. We're praying for you guys. And to understand you're going through the same things we're going through here in Brookings. And so we'll be in contact with you in the next week or so. Um, um, Just want to say this to as we close out today, you know, we met this, this Sunday. I don't know what next Sunday will be. <laughs> I'm going to meet with the board tomorrow and talk about what we're going to do. But I want to encourage you, if we're not meeting, to stay digitally connected 
watch us online. We'll continue to do services with music, preaching out, get get to preach to an empty (laughs) bunch of pews. And Kyle can sing to an empty bunch of pews. And so we might put cardboard people around and just our mannequins. So if you have spare mannequins or cardboard people, uh, we may be asking you to donate them to the church for a season. I don't know what we'll do. We'll get through this, but stay connected, stay generous with culture, be others-oriented. And Kyle's going to sing, and I'm going to come back. Would you bow your heads, please? See, we can go a little longer today because I'm not worried about parking at all. So we got plenty of parking today. God, you're so good. Um, I think that's a good declaration to end the message with this morning is that uh, in spite of whatever we're going through, no matter how much you comprehend it or understand the whys behind it, even if it overwhelms us and it's beyond our um, capacity uh, to, to comprehend, Lord, we have decided to follow you, Jesus. And there's no turning back. And we want to live the fully surrendered life as we just sang about today, Lord, to you. And so would you grace us to be those very kind of people in this time of unrest in our country? I pray that we'd be people who bring peace, and people who are prepared, people who are prayerful, Lord. And I pray that in all things and in all ways, uh, what happens is that we uh, mimic you, Jesus, that we love like you love, that we live like you lived, Lord, that we uh, treat others like you would have us treat them, Jesus. And I pray that in all this would be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Now, Lord, as we uh, exit this church this morning, we're going to have a time of, of offering to you, of giving to you, of our tithes and offerings, and I just pray that you would bless that. It's a different way for us to do it, Lord, but perhaps it's a good way to do it, to exit here saying and taking this last moment to, to give you an offering, Lord. And maybe as we do that, I pray that we would say, I offer myself to you. I have decided to follow you, Jesus, and I'm, my offering is me. And so I pray, Lord, that this would be a sacred moment and a moment that brings you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. As you leave today, the ushers will be standing and we'll take your tithes and offerings from you. I want to encourage you, though, with this, all joking aside, if we go online, please continue to give to the church. Please continue to be generous in that regard. Um, please be generous with your neighbors and with uh, uh, those around you. And remember, you're the church mobilized. Go be the church. God bless you. Have a great week.